Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 what's going on podcast? What's going on YouTube channel? How y'all doing today? I hope y'all are crushing it. I'm getting excited every day because we're getting closer. We're getting closer to uh, somebody, somebody that not a lot of people respect, but a kicker, potentially a punter, potentially a placeholder, same thing kind of, kicking that ball off on Thursday night, starting off the season right. I cannot wait. We got another video for you. Breakout running backs, a couple of them, right? Uh, I'm going to break down through like kind of four. One of them is a category, rookies spoiler alert, but kind of four overall uh, categories. And really, once we dive into it, a couple of players that I think breakout potential, we'll talk about their ADPs. But when we're talking about breakouts, ADP definitely matters, but you're shooting for the ceiling there. So yes, you don't want to overdraft them and draft them at their ceilings. But for most of these guys, if not all of them, you're drafting them at a spot where if they do break out, it's going to be a respectable spot. So with all that said, I hope you are having a fantastic start to your day. And if you can, if you're feeling the vibes right now, if you're going into work, this is coming out in the morning, are you catching it? maybe a couple days later, whenever it is, hit the like button, right? Get some good vibes. This is for you this next 25, 30 minutes, whatever it's going to end up being this podcast and YouTube video. Big old subscribe button pops up. That one's for me, but also for you because why not support the channel? Totally free to do so in that way. We're going to be using my Supreme Draft Guide today, taking a little sneak peeks at it for some of these player profiles. So the stuff on my screen, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not, if you're listening on the podcast, be sure to check out YouTube sometime. But we are watching right now and we are seeing Kenny and Drake's profile behind me. These are all things that I have built in my Supreme draft guy we have around 150 right now player profiles and maybe by the time i'm recording this like a week in advance maybe i, I grind it out like another 10 by that point but these are really good ways to kind of see what has happened in the offseason with the team's additions the backfield competition what this player did in the previous seasons and just durability concerns for running backs anything of that nature that is noteworthy so really nice snapshot nothing that's over a ton of content that you have to just pour through for the player i put everything that's important right here and then obviously you can check out the ranks you can check out the tiers the key stats all that's in the draft guide thanks to monkey knife fight the little logo up above on youtube they are sponsoring this video and all of my NFL season long content. So I really do appreciate the guys over there. Be sure to check out what they have to offer in their prop games. It's really fun. If you go down below, you'll find out how to get my Supreme Draft Guide for just $10 Ruskies. You win your leagues by being the most informed and the most prepared. How do you do that? Well, you can spend hours like I have and literally hours, like 80 hours a week, uh, diving into all this stuff, creating tools and creating rankings, or you can just siphon it all off for me for a measly $10 bill. I don't even know who's on the $10 bill. Uh, I was going to just name out people, but I know Abe Lincoln's like on the penny and the $5. I think. I don't know who's on a $10. Andrew Jackson, maybe. Maybe that's a 20. Whatever it is. Maybe it's Washington. I have no idea. That's a dollar. So we're all over the place. This is about fantasy football. Let's get into it for all you people right now. So hit like, hit subscribe. You can check out all that stuff in the description below. But we're going to be starting it off with Arizona Cardinals running back. We came an Arizona Cardinal midway through last season in Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake is somebody who maybe had the Adam Gase effect, right? Miami never could really break out. Miami with no Adam Gates last year just sucked. They started floating around rumors in week two that they did not want Kenyon Drake and they wanted to start to trade him away. And that started to become an issue. And we just did a comparison video between Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler. And you can check out that video later to see which one I like more. But Kenyon Drake for me is somebody that I have a lot of interest in. He's borderline top 10 running back for me this year in PPR formats. He's number 11 right now. And there's just a lot of good guys in that RB, or not even RB2 range, but the bottom end of the first round running backs, right? That, that, that RB8 to like 12 range. A lot of good guys in there. You can kind of move them all over the place. And I'd say, yeah, I agree. Kenyon Drake, RB9, that's fine. RB12, yeah, that's fine. I have him at RB11 personally. All those rankings are down below, but what you're looking at here is last year he played in 14 total games, but I kind of want to focus on the games that he just played with Arizona, which was eight of them. So I'll give you some of those stats. Carried the ball 124 times and he caught 27 passes. So we think of Kenny Drake as this crazy pass catching running back, but in the most part, he wasn't like insane with his pass catching abilities. He just took a couple to the house and had some really big plays, obviously popped off towards the end of last year. And yes, he did have his spike weeks, right? Three weeks over 25 fantasy points uh, during that second half of the season. Two 
two weeks over 30 down the stretch in the fantasy playoffs. We remember those things. We like those things. We saw him popping off against us in fantasy leagues or for us in our fantasy championships. And those are the things that we like to see. And I know people will downplay it and say, ah, but in his off weeks, he sucked. I mean, he still had like 11 fantasy points, nine and a half, 13 fantasy points in his off weeks. Like, yeah, you don't want that every single week, but if he's popping off for 30 point performances, maybe it is highs and lows, but his lows aren't rock bottom for five fantasy points. He was still getting a work the majority of the workload. And now David Johnson is obviously gone. And what that leaves in his backfield competition, as I zoom in here, is Chase Edmonds and Edo Benjamin. And I actually like Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds is a second year player who was very good last year. Before getting injured, he finished the week before that against the Giants, not a good defense, as the number one running back that week popped off. And two weeks before that, he was still about a top 20 running back. So he went three weeks in a row when David Johnson got hurt, starting to take on more of a workload. And then he himself got hurt. And they were kind of forced to go and pick up Kenyon Drake at the halfway point for a Thursday night football game. But as you can see, you have a productive running back who ranks sixth in true yards per carry and Chase Edmonds behind him. So Kenyon Drake, yes, we've seen about six weeks of production out of him. So this is where the scare starts to come in, like the the uncertainty. What if Chase Edmonds starts to take on like 30 or 40% of the snaps and is productive? And Kenyon Drake has a couple of weeks where he's not as good. And we kind of, we saw two or three huge weeks last year from him, but maybe those things aren't as consistent and don't continue to uh, succeed and don't continue to repeat themselves. And Chase Edmonds starts to edge his way into this backfield a little bit more. That's definitely the concerns. But when I'm talking about breakout running backs, I don't want to talk about that stuff. I want to look at this stuff right here, right? The guy who was second in touchdowns over the second half of the year when he finished up the last six, six to seven weeks of the season with Arizona, he played eight total games. He ranked fifth in rushing yards. He ranked second in touchdowns, second in 10 plus yard runs, right? All of this behind the 24th ranked run blocking unit that's going to improve because they took Josh Jones in the third round of the draft. I'll look at what they did in the offseason right here quickly, pulling up that chart. Josh Jones, a tackle in the third round, Eno Benjamin in the draft. So yes, Eno Benjamin maybe factors into Kenyon Drake, but a rookie seventh round pick that had no offseason. I don't think it's going to be that big of a factor, even though I like Benjamin in the offseason. We have profiles for him on the website. Obviously, they got DeAndre Hopkins, but the big ones, no more David Johnson. So Johnson was very productive the first four to six weeks of last year. Yes, he was, especially as a pass catcher. So no more David Johnson. It's just going to be Chase Edmonds as the main competition behind him. And I assume Kenyon Drake is going to be in line to start as the season, the starter by a good amount. And I think Kenyon Drake has the ability to see a 350 touch season. Like you could look at what this guy did last year. He ended up going for about 151 touches in half the season with Arizona. So right there, he's on pace for a 300 touch season, right? But that's not even the best part about it. The best part about it is that there's a lot more here that if this offense continues to succeed this year with Hopkins, moves the ball more, gets into the red zone more, if the defense improves, if Kyler Murray takes a step forward, which a lot of people are expecting, you're going to get more sustained drives, which means more rushing attempts and more red zone opportunities because the team's just in the red zone more. So there's a lot of upside here for Kenny and Drake to put up a 350 touch season, to put up a 70 reception season with 280 carries. That's in the cards for Kenny and Drake. That is the breakout, the ceiling of him. And if you're taking him as the 10th running back off the board, if you're taking him as your second round pick, yes, there is uncertainty in there that Chase Edmonds can be good and come in and Kenyon Drake is kind of a mirage of what he was. And it was just kind of a joke and, and a tease of last year at the end of it. But then there's also the case that this guy is just good. This offense is just good. They're going to run a ton of plays and they're going to factor him even more into the passing game. And that's where you're looking at Kenyon Drake having top five, even top three fantasy football finishing upside. If he does go out for a 330 to 350 touch season and just backs his way into like a eight to 10 touchdown season. So breakout players. Yes. Kenyon Drake is without a doubt the first guy that we shall talk about. Let's get into the second fella right now. Second fella to talk about is a darling in the community. He is currently going off the board as the RB9. Kenyon Drake RB8. He's the RB9. I currently have Miles Sanders as my RB9. So I actually have him ranked two spots ahead of Kenyon Drake. So I like Miles Sanders a little bit more right now. But man, oh man, Philadelphia Eagles running back Miles Sanders. A lot of things to like here. So last year, you obviously had Jordan Howard in this backfield. And if we look at what Jordan Howard was doing in this backfield, he took on about 119 carries and 10 rushing attempts. So you got 14.8 touches per game when Jordan Howard was healthy is what he was doing. Now you want to look at what Miles Sanders did, played just above 53% of the snaps. He had 170. 
79 carries, caught 50 balls on about 50% of the snaps, elite, on 63 targets. And there is the argument that they had no receivers. They had their tight ends, they had Miles Sanders, Greg Ward was their leading receiver. So they just had to throw the running back more. And that's a fair argument. But this guy is coming out of what is quickly becoming the new RBU behind Saquon Barkley Sanders. And they even got guys still in uh, in Penn State that look really, really good right now. Don't worry, I'm not biased. I only went there. But all that aside, no, Miles Sanders is somebody who can catch passes. There might not be three running backs in the league that can run a wheel route better than Miles Sanders can. Honestly, I, I can't imagine there's many more downfield weapons than Miles Sanders as a running back, just pure passing. Saquon's one of them. Christian McCaffrey's probably up there. But after that, I start to kind of uh, Austin Eckler, right? Those names, maybe Aaron Jones. Not many others that, and this is just coming into a second year, kind of compete with Miles Sanders in that ability. He overall had over 1,300 total yards on 229 touches. Again, he saw 14.3 touches per game, but those started to spike the second half of the year when his final six games, when he overtook Jordan Howard and Howard was injured, seeing 19.6 touches per game. So yes, the 300 plus touch upside is surely there for Miles Sanders. And even if it's not, even if it's 265, 275 touches, the fact that he has an 80 reception plus season, if he's a starting running back for this team in the cards, maybe even 85, like an Alvin Kamara type season, that's very encouraging for Miles Sanders. You do have Brooks that ended up going down with a season ending injury, but they re-signed Jason Peters, which of course is going to help them a lot over the offensive line. You can see where he ranked all of last year. They did have the number one run blocking unit that might go down a little bit, just naturally hard to be the number one back-to-back years, but I still expect around a top 10 offensive line here, but should again, in theory and, and will help Miles Sanders. Let's see what they did in the offseason quickly, just touching on Miles Sanders. Added some running backs. They re-signed Corey Clement, who was an Eagle who got cut last year. Added Elijah Holyfield, who I don't think saw a single touch last year when you were looking at um, his overall time with the Carolina Panthers, because obviously McCaffrey was playing almost every snap. Reggie Bonafon is the backup to uh, Christian McCaffrey, who got some work last year. Jordan Howard, not there. So we already touched about it. 14.8 touches per game for Howard. They're now down out of the lineup. And you saw about five touches more per game for Sanders when Howard was actually out of the lineup towards the end of last year. In the NFL draft, all the Eagles did, as you can see right here, was just draft a ton and a ton of wide receivers, all the wide receivers possible. They just traded during the draft for Marquise Goodwin. So they ended up walking away from the draft with four more wide receivers, Jalen Rieger, first round pick. And then they got later in the draft, fifth and sixth round, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, and also Marquise Goodwin, again, that trade. So now maybe that makes them a little bit more more efficient on offense. Alshon Jeffrey expected to start the year on the pup list. They're rumoring. So Jalen Rieger maybe starts the offense with Deshaun Jackson as the outside receivers. Still the two tight ends in Goddard and Ertz. But then in the backfield, it's just going to be Miles Sanders because I don't see any threat in this backfield. The durability, he didn't miss any games his rookie year, just popped up on the injury report as many players do. That was about it with just some sprains on his shoulder. But I mean, let's talk about the backfield competition, right? It's, it's Boston Scott, who was good. Boston Scott, the last month of the season, I don't think it was a fluke. He was very efficient in yards overall per touch because of his receiving ability, scored a decent amount of touchdowns. But then it's Elijah Holyfield who doesn't touch the ball. Corey Clement, who's more just some more so veteran depth. And now they might want to be signing. You see Devonta Freeman, as I'm recording, this isn't on any team, but he got a new agent, Drew Rosenhall, and he's saying that he wants to get him signed. Maybe the Eagles reach out. They already kind of did, and they didn't want him, at least for the previous asking price. But I don't care. I don't care the veteran running back that they sign. I don't care if it is Devonta Freeman. I don't care if Lamar Miller comes out of nowhere. Miles Sanders is better than those players. And Boston Scott is better than those players. Yes, Boston Scott is better than Devonta Freeman. This is not Devonta Freeman from two years ago. One of the worst running backs in the NFL last year was Devonta Freeman. I have no worries. If he goes behind Miles Sanders and starts to take touches away from Boston Scott, and now the efficiency in the backup touches is lowered, that can only help Miles Sanders, in my opinion. So any type of LaShawn McCoy, Devonta Freeman, Lamar Miller does not worry me at all. If anything, it probably drops Miles Sanders ADP by a couple spots because people get worried, and then it just makes him an even better pick for us. Maybe I'll even maybe I'll even troll everybody and move him up in the rankings at that point if they sign a veteran back. Up, but no, Miles Sanders definitely a breakout. I actually like him a little bit better than Kenyon Drake right now. If you started your 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 overall team 
with Kenny and Drake and Miles Sanders, maybe there's a little bit of like shakiness in there because the stability in these guys, we haven't really seen it outside of like six weeks last year, seven weeks last year. So there's a concern there, but just in general, like I'm fine. I'm fine taking that risk early on with having those two guys to start my team off with. And now we get into the segment of the show where I just quickly gloss over three rookies, not gloss over them. They're breakout candidates, but as with many rookie running backs, a lot of rookie running backs are breakout candidates, but there were so many good rookies this year, five of them, in my opinion. I mean, if you want to dig down to Keyshawn Vaughn and Zach Moss, there's even more, but the five main guys that got drafted in the second and first round, Edward Solaire on the screen right now, the only one to get drafted in the first round. These rookies that I want to talk about today, Clyde Edward Solaire, DeAndre Swift, and Cam Akers. I'm not going to be diving deep into Jonathan Taylor. I have individual videos on him. I do like him a lot, but breakout player, I mean, yes, he obviously has breakout abilities. I like him. He's my 19th overall running back. We can include him in this category if we want to, but he, in my opinion, is being drafted right around where he should be based on where the ADP is settling down now, like a fourth round pick, end of the third round. So yes, the ADP doesn't matter as much for the breakouts, like we said, but it's a situation where these other three running backs, you're getting them later in drafts for two of them, or you're just paying all the way up for Edward Slayer. And he obviously has, in my opinion, the highest ceiling for this specific year because of the offense that he's in. I mean, he goes from the best college offense to the best NFL offense, literally in back-to-back years, maybe the best college offense of all time in LSU to potentially the best NFL offense of all time. Like you cannot run better and more pure than what you're getting right there out of Clyde Edward Slayer, but he was fine in college. His main issue was just pass protection. Again, you're going to have Damian Williams, who I think is going to play like 50% of the snaps. People just think he's a dead body. He was like one of the best players for them right next to Mahomes on offense in the Super Bowl, in the playoffs, all of last year when he was healthy, all the last two years. That's why they gave him an extension midway through uh, the 2018 season. So yeah, I think Damian Williams is still going to be a quite a decent size factor. Outside of that though, like yes, them drafting him kind of makes their addition of DeAndre Washington in the offseason a dead body. Like he's not going to do much there. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They improved the offensive line a little bit, which was an average offensive line last year. But this is the Chiefs offense and this is the Chiefs rushing offense. Three and a half running, running back red zone attempts per game. That's fantastic. 1.7 touchdowns per game under Mahomes. That's obviously fantastic. They're 27th in rushing attempts per game, but they're still getting 23 and a half per game because they run so many plays. And the big one here, which Clyde Edwards-Lair catching 55 passes last year in college, Chiefs running backs averaged 5.6 receptions per game last year on 6.6 targets. So if he plays 50% of the snaps, which I actually think is going to happen, and Damian Williams is going to see a lot more work than people expect, he's still in line to see three targets per game somewhere around there. And you're really upside. The reason why he's a breakout player is if he goes out there and he performs well, or if Damian Williams gets hurt, or if he just outworks Damian Williams in the in the in the just shortened camp that they have in early on in the year, and he starts playing 65% of the snaps. Not a lot of running backs, only the true elites like Zeke, Barkley, McCaffrey play like 80 plus percent, 90 plus percent. But if he plays like 65 to 70% of the snaps, and now he's in a position where he's seeing four to five targets a game, catching three to four to five balls a game, and he's getting like 12 to 15 carries on the ground, and you're getting 16 touch upside out of Clyde Edwards Hilaire with the opportunity to have two or three red zone touches a game, with the opportunity to be scoring like a touchdown a game in this Chiefs offense. Yeah, that looks really good when now you're looking at Clyde Edwards Hilaire potentially being a 1200 yard guy and a 10 touchdown guy. Obviously, that's a breakout. And now early on, I had him ranked as like a top 12 guy. He's fallen to my 16th overall running back. He's getting taken at RB14. But at that spot in the second round, especially at the end of the second round, or if you can snag him in the beginning of the third round right now, the upside is huge for him, especially if he's your third running back. Like if you start your draft early on, you get like Saquon early and then you get back-to-back picks. And let's just say you go like Leonard Fournette and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's a lot of upside there. There's pretty, in my opinion, there's security in Leonard Fournette's touches, a 300 plus. There's security in Saquon's barring health and injuries, 300 plus. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, there's a little bit of a risk, but you already have your stability at that position that if he pops off, now your flex option is potentially a top 10 running back as well. And you're sitting really pretty on the season. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire, one of the rookies that I think obviously has a ton of upside. That's where they drafted him in the first round. Many first round picks usually get used heavily at the running back position. And then to just touch on these other guys in Cam Akers, I think he's going to battle it out with Henderson. I personally think he'll, he'll take the job over Malcolm Brown who was just dust last year and Daryl Henderson, who I think still is going to have a decent amount of work and a decent amount of usage. 
just never really got a lot of opportunities. I mean, the upside's pass protection. He can catch passes. He breaks tackles. The downsides is he just had a bad offensive line last year, which is not his fault. But now he's going into probably the dead last ranked offensive line, which they did nothing in the draft, nothing in the offseason to improve. So that's a concern. And he just had an 11% drop rate. So he can cure your drops, but you really can't cure the offensive line woes in front of you. He's going to have to be a very good evaded tackle guy to pop off this year. But if the offensive line improves and plays better than we expect, which it's going to be tough to see a major step forward. But if it does, and if he's involved in this offense, Todd Gurley saw 50 plus red zone touches last year. Todd Gurley, who people thought was washed up last year, maybe he was a little bit, but I don't think too much, saw 14 touchdowns in this offense because they love to use running backs in the red zone, the Rams. So if that's the case, if Cam Akers can take on the lead back role in this offense, which based on his draft capital, I think he's going to have an opportunity to right away. Yes, the upside for him being the RB25 right now in my rankings is my RB25 going off the board is RB25. So we're kind of in line with ADP there. But I think the upside in the ceiling is, yes, a top 15 back if everything clicks right because of the touchdown upside in this offense. And then the final rookie that I'll talk about, I like I like JK Dobbins, but more so for Dynasty, not so far for this year, especially where he's going drafted. But DeAndre Swift, like Karrion Johnson is dusty. Karrion Johnson is not a lead back. They've already said that the Detroit Lions, they pretty much and have said it if you read between the lines. He's had back-to-back knee injuries and, and knee surgery. So that's not good for a running back, especially your first two years in the league. But when you're looking at it right now, yeah, second round pick, pick third in the second round. You're looking at a guy who was the 35th player off the board for the Detroit Lions out of Georgia. And he was really good. Probably the best receiving back in this draft. So shout out PPR points. 31% of his attempts last year in college went for a first down or a touchdown. The only downsides, as you can say, like Saquon Barkley, he dances a little bit too much and tries to do too much behind the line of scrimmage. He's more of just a guy who can make you miss, but once at yards after contact has not been there, at least in college for him too much, but he's just an absolute dynamite. And if you think that he can overtake Carrion Johnson, which I do, I think there's that possibility, if not from week one, probably by like week three or four, similar to Jonathan Taylor, except he's a very good pass catcher as well. In an offense that was a number two quarterback in the league behind Lamar Jackson in terms of fantasy points before getting injured Matthew Stafford last year in an offense that has Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson to move the ball down the field with a bad defense. So they're going to have to throw. Yeah. DeAndre Swift, not only having the opportunity to see 12 touches on the ground a game potentially, and even more than that, if he takes over this backfield, but even if Cameron Johnson is out there, he's not a good pass catching running back. That's DeAndre Swift's role. So if they're going to be passing a lot more, DeAndre Swift starts to see four receptions a game and he's doing good work with those. It makes it easier for the Lions to say, let's keep him on the field on the ground. Gets 12 touches a game on the ground. You're seeing 16 touches per game out of DeAndre Swift. Even if he's in this 50-50 split with Kerryon Johnson, yeah, there's a lot of upside there, especially if he's being picked as like the RB30 range right now. I'm probably going to move DeAndre Swift up to my own personal rankings because I think there's a lot of upside in the breakout candidate department, but even the downside on him, just because of how bad the Detroit Lions defense is, you're probably going to get him on the field more. You're probably going to see three or four looks a game in the target department, and those targets to running backs are usually very high percentage in terms of your catch rate. I'm talking 85, 90%. You're seeing four targets a game. You're normally catching three or all four of them. So yeah, DeAndre Swift, a lot of standalone upside, even in a committee, but has all the upside in the world based on the draft capital, 35th off the board. If this was three years ago, DeAndre Swift is a top 20 pick, right? Top 15 pick even, right? Maybe even top 10 pick at that point, two, two, three running backs going in the top 10. But since RBs don't matter as much right now, and teams are trying to get them on their second round pick contract, more team-friendly contracts, as you saw with almost every single RB in this draft, all the meaningful ones, four of them going in the second round. Edward Solaire, the last pick of the first round and the Chiefs, they just had to pick him because he wouldn't have been there after that, right? Yeah, I think that DeAndre Swift, a lot of upside here. I probably would rank it at this point. Uh, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire in that order for guys that I would want based on where their draft picks are going, right? Obviously, Edwards Hilaire looks the best in the Chiefs offense, but based on where you have to take them, you have to take Edwards Hilaire as a top 15 running back or so. You can take Swift 15 picks later, potentially at the running back position and still get him. And then finally, I know I talked about some guys with busted knees like Arian Johnson and Darius Geist does fall in that department. Starts the season off with a lot of concerns about his knee injuries. And I can just start that right away because that's the biggest thing for him, right? 2018, he had an ACL tear. You can see right here in his durability. All this stuff, again, it's on the Supreme Draft Guide. So you can go down 
down below. You can click the link. You can get it for just $10. All these profiles, you can kind of get educated, figure it all out, see whatever player you want. If one's not in there, reach out to me and I'll see about adding that player. Try to add all the ones that I think are pretty meaningful at the running back wide receiver and all the rookies are already in there. Some tight ends as well. You can check all that out, the rankings and all that down below if you want to check it all out. And also hit the like button for me. Big old subscribe before we deep dive deeper into the knees of Darius Geis. But yeah, Darius Geis, 2018 preseason had an ACL tear missed the entire year that's not good 2019 week one has a meniscus tear doesn't miss the whole year but six to eight week recovery comes back out and he suffers an MCL tear and misses two games so we only actually played for a full amount of time four weeks he played five weeks last year but he was hurt week one but he played four weeks where he was actually healthy weeks 11 to weeks 14 of last year that's all we've seen out of this guy in the NFL and he was good Week 13 of last year, he was the running back one that week with 137 yards and two touchdowns, 27.7 fantasy points. He caught four balls for 59 yards on six targets during those four weeks. And that was not as the workhorse. That was as sort of a committee back or or three-headed monster with Adrian Peterson being another guy who was heavily used in that offense. He was the number one running back in yards created amongst any running back with more than five carries in that month of the season that he was healthy. So the number one elusive, the number one yards created, more than McCaffrey, more than Saquon. Saquon was probably hurt during that time. 7.1 yards per carry on 32 attempts. So this guy was an absolute beast. We know that he's going to be an absolute beast in my opinion. It's just about the injuries. Now he ended the year last year with a shoulder injury. So it wasn't the knee again that ended his season. So he was doing all of this, this month of the season, he was popping off and it wasn't like he re-aggravated the, the concerning part, the lower body injury of the knee. It was a shoulder, but just in general, the guy's beaten up. Now we've seen the preseason tapes of this guy cutting of this guy looking good. And that's good to see. It's good to see him actually out there running and cutting. It's just now, can he actually stay durable when the hits start coming? But you can get him outside the top 30 running backs right now. And if you're drafting in the ways that I like to draft, right, you're in a situation where he's like the 32nd running back off the board right now. I think I have him ranked as like my RB30 or somewhere in that range. So I'm a little bit higher than consensus. But if you're in a situation where you're getting him and you've already taken your top three running backs, right? Maybe you've gone RB, RB, RB to start and you've taken now two uh, wide receivers and you have two starting wide receivers and three running backs and you want to take another running back at that point who has upside to be, in my opinion, a top 10 running back if he stays healthy. Yes, Darius guys can stay healthy and he would then, in my opinion, be the guy in that team. That's a big upside. Now there's a ton of backfield competition, quote unquote, I'll say competition because Adrian Peterson is still there. And this guy was actually efficient last year. He was 13th in the NFL in yards created at his age, right? His 32nd, he's going to be 35 and a half years old when the season starts. He was 35 last year being a top 15 running back in terms of yards created. And that was behind a bad offensive line. He was averaging about 10 fantasy points per game, 37th amongst running backs last year. AP continues to dominate and he'll be back there in this backfield. But as you saw in the month of the season, that guy was healthy. He started to take on the workloads. He started to get a lot more usage when he was actually healthy and competing. So if he's going to stay healthy, he's going to take work away from Adrian Peterson. Yes, I know the exciting rookie Antonio Gibson is there, but he was more of a wide receiver last year at a necessity in college for his team, but then he was a running back. So I think that you're going to see yeah, Antonio Gibson lining up as a gadget guy. He could be using the backfield. He could be one of the best running backs in this draft. And we just don't know about it because he had a small sample in college. But again, I think Geis is going to be the guy who gets the opportunity first. I think this is the last shot for Geis. Can he stay healthy? Can he produce? Then you have Bryce Love, Peyton Barber, JD McKissick, not as much threats. It's mainly Peterson and Gibson. The fact that Gibson's a rookie, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Geis there. Adrian Peterson will be getting work in this backfield, but if Geis does indeed show out like he did last year for that month of the season like he did last year he'll start to continue to take touches away from adrian peterson so that's where i'm at right now i think we overall went over like six guys when you factor in the three rookies these are breakout candidates let me know who are your breakout candidates down below in the comment section I'm excited for football to start. I know there's been a light on me. It's shining through through my window. I didn't put up the black light because the sun just started coming up. So my bad if you're watching on YouTube. It's just a little spot. Don't worry. It's not no ghosts or anything. But thank you so much. If you're listening on the podcast and you listen all the way through, $50 giveaway for this specific episode right here. If you if you leave a rating and review on the podcast, so maybe only like three of you will do it. So you'll have a good shot. I'll pick one person at random. Leave a way for me to contact you down below in that rating and review, not in the comment section on YouTube. If you want to get into it and you're watching on YouTube, go over to the podcast right now. Sal Betcher Show takes literally 30 seconds, hit the five stars and 
and say, this was a good show at this on Twitter to reach out to me. And I'll do a little raffle for this specific video only on the NFL $50 giveaway. So thank you. I appreciate it a lot. Hit the subscribe and the big old subscribe, I should say, and the like button before you go and check out the Supreme Draft Guide where all these profiles live, where all my rankings, tiers, key stats, premium analysis, all that stuff lives for the measly price of $10. Thank you, Monkey Knife. I go beat your league mates for $10. Appreciate it. Take my knowledge, soak it in. You all rock and I'll see you in the next one.